to this week's episode of Being Human. I'm back with Tom van der Luber. He's the lead link at Vizi in the Netherlands, a mortgage brokerage that runs the radical business operating system, Holacracy, which uh, empowers individuals and companies in a very different way to what we're used to uh, for those of us who work in corporate environments. We did this interview as part of the Forward Management Conference, which is under the offices of the Management 3.0 community. We get into his backstory, his early experiences, near-death experiences that drove him to build businesses in this way. And we get into the practicality, the nuts and bolts of how do you make these models work with uh, highly decentralized management um, and this empowerment of the individual to the extent that they do it within Visi. So very practical, very inspiring. Hope you enjoy it. I'll cut to the recording now. I'm, yeah, delighted to be here and really looking forward to this conversation with Tom. So remember, we will die. Uh, That's the theme. And Tom, I want to ground this conversation in in you as an individual. And we'll we'll fan out into your work as a a pioneer for Locracy, the work you're doing with Vizzy. But to start with, if if we know we're going to die, for you, what, given this one life that you have, what are you moving towards and what are you moving away from in your life? Let's start there. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's probably the decisive question, huh? Eh? Uh, the why, the why uh, question or the raison d'etre question. Uh, I think, um, in general, if you if you ask people who who are pretty close to uh, leaving this world, it's all about connecting to others. So it's about being human. Uh, your your podcast is also called Being Human. Uh, so I think that's the core. Uh, and 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 to put it more practically, I think if you leave this world, you should have a kind of belief of that you left the world a little bit better than you found it when you started uh, on this planet. Uh, so I think that's where we are moving to. And the earlier you uh, have a kind of um, clarity about that, uh, the easier life becomes. Right. And when did this realization form for you in your mind? Like, where did that start as a personal journey for you? Um, I think it's a mixture, but um, it always has to do with uh, in what kind of circumstances or in what kind of family you were raised or your education. So I was on a Jesuit college. I have a, I have a let's say, a very um, a kind of upraising uh, about values, which are always were very important. So it was not about being successful, but uh, yeah, about being human towards others, care about uh, people who are much more vulnerable. That was a kind of obligation. But I think the decisive uh, thing in my life, and that's I probably also in this in this chat together with you is that I was very lucky, and I really say very lucky, uh, that I uh, had cancer when I was 20. That's already 30 years ago. uh, And I survived it. So I had a chance of surviving it with 20%. uh, And that's something I I, I didn't speak about for a long time because it's something you keep in a kind of secret box. It's uh, very private. So you'd only talk about professional stuff and about leadership. And uh, then the more I, I, I started to talk about purpose or uh, also was interviewed about purpose also by, uh, by you, uh, that in the end, and if you, if you dive deeper into this topic, always people said, yeah, where does it come from? Where does it thrive come from? 
And that's, I think what you often see is that people who have a very purposeful uh, agenda, that in the end there is a kind of bio, biographical context. And in my life, it has been cancer uh, with with 20 and, and, and surviving it. Uh, so, and then afterwards, life is very easy because you just don't care about what people think about you or uh, your your kind of uh, goals in your life have changed. So this is this is probably the decisive decisive moment in my life. Right, and and, and was there a moment within that? You know, was it the, you're suffering with cancer? You know, was there a, a specific pivotal moment that you can recall that had you had have this shift? Um, yeah, I really realized it is kind of uh, extreme clarity. So I was in the hospital and I just knew that there was a chance of not surviving it or surviving it. So so it's very black and white. Right? It's zero to zero or one. And, 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 and this kind of extreme way uh, probably normally is not there. But you also see it, for instance, people who survive concentration camps. So if you see Viktor Frankl and uh, you can uh, name a lot of other people. I, I find it very interesting that often, or Peter Drucker, people who fled uh, for the Nazis in, in the 30s, etc. So this whole layer of, of, of people who were active in science, uh, for instance, in America in the 50s, or Hannah Arendt, and you can go on and on. There's always this kind of the very decisive uh, idea of, I cannot survive it, or I can survive it. And if I survive it, if you take, for instance, Victor Frankl, then I have to contribute something to this world to make it a better place. Right. Uh, I, so that, that covers the contribution. And what about this connection? You know, how, how does this, this value that you have on connecting to others, where, do, where does that get its genesis? Um, I think, I mean, I'm a historian, so I'm not a, not a typical uh, entrepreneur with a financial background being, being active in the financial industry. I mean, we, we do mortgage advice, so that's something I mean, I'm not a professor for ethics or something like that. No, and I'm an entrepreneur building a company and, and we, we do mortgage advice. So that's very, yeah, very practical, so to say. That's not very philosophical. Uh, but I think uh, it, 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 it always starts with religion or philosophy and this kind of reflection. So, um, and that's also, but also if you take this book of this Australian nurse who wrote about, uh, uh, caring for for people who would die, and then asking them what is, has been important in your life. It's always about connecting. So I think that uh, it doesn't matter where on the world or in what kind of discipline. It's always about connecting. It's always about caring for others. And and our let's say way of behaving in business. That's the exception. That's that's the exception to the rule. And and the example. I always like to take is that if you have cake and you and, and and you're sitting somewhere in the world with somebody else and you and you let's say we would sit on the table and we have a cake and we would say okay you you get the half and I get the half and I take the knife and and just take two parts then it will be it will be equal parts more or less and this and this let's say game or this uh, this example uh, works everywhere in the world it doesn't matter what context but if you would take 80 percent or 90 percent of the cake and i would give you 10 then you would say hey what's going on and you can also see this on experience with apes uh and so so there this 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 very strong belief of let's say what's correct 
or um, you also see it in language if you talk about el altruism and egoism then the way we behave in business is just egoistic which is not the norm which is not normal and 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 you can talk about it in in very difficult uh, let's say ways and you can call it shareholder value capitalism and you can talk about profits etc but in the end it's about the core of things and and then the rest of society behaves in a different way it's always about caring others right no and no, i i get the intuition there if i was to play devil's advocate uh, you know a capitalist might say well if we can make a bigger cake even if even if we end up with inequality more people get more cake um because we've grown the size of the pie and that's how capitalism works yeah but, and that's and that's exactly but also from scientific uh, uh let's say a point of view it's just not correct so let's say the 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 more inequality you have uh, 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 uh the more it harms the 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 size of your cake so which is which also very understandable because the more you have a, a higher middle class and also less inequality the more purchasing purchasing power you have so it's very simple if you would have all the money or all the wealth let's say for two or three people they just can't buy all the stuff uh, the middle class and and the whole society can buy so it's just it's just not true but by framing this and saying it's a little bit like tri this whole triple down economy theory that's nice but it's just not correct but if you repeat it all the time then perhaps people think it's correct but it's just not the case right right and and taking these principles into Visi, or the mortgage advice company that you are, of, of which you're the lead link, am I right? The, yeah, the right? I, will, I, will, I, will, I will pass it at the end of the year to the next one, but primus inter pares, but that's another topic, yes? Yes, primus inter pares means you rotate, a, yeah, the, the, the lead link role. Um, so you, yeah, give us, give us some examples of how you, you take these principles of connecting to others, caring, contribution, uh, in, into your work with Visi? Yeah, it starts uh, with a very simple rule. We have only one rule, uh, the so-called golden rule, uh, which just means treat other people like you wanted to be treated yourself. Uh, and then you can also dive into that much deeper and see it from a philosophical way. But what I find very interesting is that it is the basic rule in all the religions, doesn't matter where we are in the world. And that's, and that's the example of the cake again. So... So if you would sit on the other part, set up, uh, side of the table, you also wouldn't like to have only 10% of the cake. You also would have liked to, to have the half of it. So, and that's one rule. We don't have handbooks. We don't have uh, big rules on the, on the wall. Uh, nobody nobody uh, uses then afterwards, eh? like you have in a lot of big corporations. Uh, and that, and there, that works pretty well. So it works in all the directions. It works uh, towards colleagues in the company itself internally. It works towards clients. How would I like to be treated as a client? And if something goes wrong, how would how would I like to be have this solved as a client? It works towards suppliers. Uh, do I do I try to 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 cut the prices year after year uh, uh, until somebody is not able to survive anymore? Uh, it's towards society. Um, how do I behave as a responsible company towards society, paying taxes, etc. Uh, keeping keeping my people on board during times of crisis and not lay them off uh, towards the environment. If you talk about this whole sustainability 
way of thinking. Uh, so it's it's a pretty simple rule which which always uh, works. Right, and and that, how do you? So you don't have this on the walls. You don't, there's no posters. How how does this get communicated and sort of adopted by the culture? Like how, how does that permeate permeate? It's it's it's. I would just say like it works everywhere in society. Or you just ask somebody. So. Uh, the first thing is that everybody has a very clear understanding of what is right and wrong. Uh, I, I already mentioned the cake example or the apes, etc. Frans van der Waal, a Dutch scientist who did a lot of... It's very funny to watch these videos. So apes, apes have a very good understanding of what's fair and not fair. Uh, perhaps perhaps you know these videos. Um, um, uh, so it's, it's, it's always interesting that that if you behave in a normal way, which everybody understands automatically that you have to explain why you behave in a normal way. I would always say let all those companies just just explain them why they are not behaving in a normal way. Right. So, so it sounds to me then it's simply by you and presumably the others around you who formed the company behaving in a normal way, as you describe it. That that's that's been enough. There's no there's no enforcement required in order to achieve this culture no it's, it's it's not but it's also if you even talk let's say on the private level to people uh, behaving in not in a normal way for instance just take an example you have a company at the moment during COVID crisis which lays off an enormous amount of people but you have um uh, let's say an enormous amount of wealth uh, then nobody understands why um, uh, you would lay off people uh, if you if you have earned an enormous amount of profits uh, in the past. And those people, they would even say, you're right, but uh, I am not the owner of the company. Uh, I am the manager and I'm told by the shareholders uh, between breakfast who keep their shares, let's say for three months, uh, uh, let's say on, on average, uh, I am just asked or, or told to lay off those people because we have to, let's say, do something for our stock uh, price. Uh, but everybody understands that it's not fair. So people would just they 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 wouldn't tell they wouldn't tell uh, other people that it's not correct. They would just say, I understand what you're saying, but I am I am just in this in this environment where I'm not able to behave like I would like to do. Right. Right. So they, so they, so in some, they would suggest they would claim that they were victims of a system. And is it, is it true then that you've managed to create a system which doesn't experience the same pressures with Vizzy? Pardon, you have just have to, um, to repeat it. Yeah. Um, I, um, so the example you gave of the manager, mm-hmm. let's say the CEO with a, with a stack of millions mm-hmm. laying off his staff and he says to his staff, well, I can't share any of my wealth to get us through this crisis because my shareholders won't let me, right? Because yep. we need to be laying off staff to, to, in service of um, maintaining the share price, let's say. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. So you might, so we might then say that CEO is a victim of this system that they're in. And actually, whilst they have all this altruistic intention, they can't 
follow through on what they believe is the right thing to do mm-hmm. because they're prescribed from doing that by the system. So is there something that you've created in the system of Vizi that um, eliminates those pressures? Yeah, but it's, let's say we're not an exception. So let's say all those companies, small, medium-sized enterprises, which are owned by, let's say, the people themselves or family-owned businesses, they just behave in a normal way. But if you read the newspapers, uh, but it, it's also the same for other topics, we have the impression that that the world, let's say, exists of a few corporations which are stock-listed and they behave not in a correct way. And and that's what it makes very difficult. Um, so, but let's say people people would would um, uh, let's say if they, if they would be able to choose for themselves, they would always say people who who, who working in the stock listed companies that it has a uh, uh, severe damage on 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 the culture because you have a very short term oriented focus, which is just not good. And it's even not good for your for your for your for your shareholders, which is also very interesting. It's a little bit counterintuitive. You would say, okay, the faster you lay off people, the better it is. And and in 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 a few situations, it even might be if you have a pub at the moment or a restaurant and you're not able or allowed to open it. But in general, when people when companies don't have the necessity of doing so because they still earning money. Then it's counterproductive. Also, done a lot of research on that. It's counterproductive for their share price. So, and that's that's very interesting. But it has to do with the fact that those shareholders are not in for the long run. So they they try to optimize for the next three months, and then they move on to the next company. And 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 that just creates uh, different interests, which are contrary to each other. So the interests of somebody who's working in the company. Or the environment is long term, and somebody who's owning shares for three months—that's short-term interest—and and and the one who's owning the shares for three months is not interested in the long-term uh, perspective of the company. Yeah. So it's in, the, so the he, problem is embedded in the system, so to say. Yeah, yeah, and and you you're outside of that system. You don't have public shareholders. You're owned. You have the the, com- yeah. the company's owned. Yeah. Um, in the way that you do, so you've just not. You've not engaged in that system. Um, and that sounds like that's a really important point here, that to achieve the kind of culture that you've got, it, it's perhaps much harder or maybe even impossible to do that if you're part of, um, I suppose, the, the, the mainstream capitalistic structures for large companies. Yeah, although, although, let's say in the past, it always has been like we are doing it. So it's, 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 that's the historical frame. Uh, it's, it's, there again, we are not the exception. It's just, let's say, the shareholder value, short-term oriented way of doing business. That's something which really evolved from the 80s on since Milton Friedman. So it's not it's not that you, let's say, if you just take a, a few hundred years, it always has been about multi-stakeholder interest because no system can survive which is not multi-stakeholder oriented. So you always have, take in, you always have to take into account interest of all the people or interest engaged, but it's exactly the same with with um, the environment. So if you if you if you don't price, or you're not able to price in the negative effects on your environment at a certain time, it will just be over. 
uh, everybody understands that or starts to understand this. But in an economic context, it's exactly the same. So if you don't treat your suppliers well and they go bankrupt, then you don't have suppliers anymore. If you don't treat your clients well, then you don't have clients anymore. If you don't treat your people well and they have not, they have an other alternative, they have another opportunity, then they will just leave your company. So all systems which want to survive in the long run always have to uh, be stable systems and stable systems only exist if you take interest into account of all, all the people envi- uh, involved in this ecosystem. Right, right. Um, and it's a kind of a, it's an interesting irony here that we might say that that financialism of capitalism that started in the 80s is the cause of so much problems and, and you as a, as a financial company are, are bucking the trend now. Um, but I noticed that we've got 14 minutes left. We've got a bunch of questions. So I wonder if we reserve a bit of time now to hit some of these questions uh, before we close out. Um, so let's, I'm not going to pronounce this person's name. You'll know, <laughs> you may well know how to pronounce it. K-J-E-L-L. Kill the writer. Kill. Splitting the cake is based on a fairness principle, I understand. However, people do not always believe that it's that a 50 50 split is the pair, fairest i.e someone has a bigger family to feed or is in a bad place um, or is the one that did the most of the work how would you deal with a situation where different players have a different perception of fair so tom what do you think yeah it's, i mean that's um um i can let's say i can give a simple answer and a complex answer i start with a simple one the simple answer is just let people discuss, uh, because in the end, uh, the the intelligence of the group will, in most cases, have the best solution. So um, it's it's and it's not about trying to find the most difficult exception and to discuss that. Now it's the other way around. So the the the, the question is, how do you come, let's say, from a, a kind of basis? Uh, to a more uh, fair solution for everybody. And it can be, if you talk about salaries, for instance, it can be transparency or uh, uh, it can be the whole topic of psychological safety. And I would always take that as a starting point um, and not not trying to focus on the last exception and then saying, for instance, okay, there's somebody who has four children and they both work in a call center. And do you think it's fair? that if two people have exactly the same job and somebody has no children, the other one has four children, uh, is it fair that they have the same uh, amount of money uh, taking home? Uh, In practical, you sometimes have the discussion about, for instance, holidays, that people say, I have children, I only can have holidays during, let's say, the vacation or the holidays of the children. Is that fair for other people who don't have children uh, that that they always have to stay at the office uh, when children have holidays and then i would say let people discuss this and then they then they will find a solution right right so tr- trust really important principle trust 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 in the people to resolve these questions from uh from a principle of how do we do this fairly yeah um okay we've covered a, uh okay in order to have a common understanding in Q- community organization company i think we need to have the same values what are the values of your company and how do you um 
I suppose, prove cultural fit value matching in recruiting. So about how we how we how we solve the cultural fit topic. That is the question. Do I understand correct? Yeah, about well, about two... that everybody has the same values? Yeah, so what the first question is what what are the values? And especially we've dug into some of that, but is, is there any that we've missed? And then how do we you know how how do we get a match when you're recruiting? Yeah, and that is also simple answer, complex answer. The simple answer is everybody has the same values. Uh and 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 uh, and, and that's I think we, we we talked about already. And then let's say from a very practical way, um, if we recruit, the team itself recruits the colleague, and everybody in the team who talks to the person in this application process has a veto. So that's a very practical answer how it works. And then it means there's a collective responsibility if you hire somebody. So it's not possible to say, Richard, I. I would, I would, I, I, I knew from the start that this, that there wouldn't be a cultural fit with this new colleague, and because of this collective responsibility, then afterwards, and I immediately go to the negative, uh, uh, let's say example. Then if you find out that there was not a, a cultural fit, although you thought there was one, then you're going to solve it together because you feel re collectively responsible. We never had any problems uh, because. The collective responsibility in the first phase will have the outcome that everybody wants to support the new colleague. So if we hire Richard, everybody will be really willing to help Richard to become successful in our company. And if you find out that Richard is not happy in our company, there will this collective responsibility to talk to Richard and say, Richard, we have got the feeling uh, you don't like to give uh, mortgage advice. And, and to end with a very practical example, because of the fact that, that we are a great place to work, number one, uh, for, for, for the last two years, we had last year a situation where we hired people who, who really wanted to work for, let's say, a nice company or a, a human company. Uh, and, 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 and they wrote, they read a lot of, uh, a lot of articles about how we organize all the stuff and self organization, et cetera. And then they found out afterwards that that they didn't like to give mortgage advice. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the core of our 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 business. So so I mean, we can be a great company, and we can you can like self organization, and you can like the golden rule, and you can like all the other stuff. But if you don't want to help clients to 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 finance their apartments, then I mean, that's also a kind of necessity if you are a consultant. So, but then that's also solved. So, and and then it is always solved solved pretty pretty fast so but it's also something which you find in a lot of small medium-sized enterprises that fluctuation you have always in the beginning because people find out very fast if there is this fit or not they don't keep people in the company and then and then bring them to another department like sometimes happens in corporate uh, companies no they just they just go to somebody and said okay we and, and there's one question we always focus on from both sides with the knowledge I have now, would I, what kind of decision would I take? Would I start in this company again? Or would we hire this colleague again? And if the answer would be no, then you should be honest enough to talk to each other and say, with, with the knowledge I have now, I wouldn't start in this company because I found out I don't like mortgage advice. And it's totally fine. So that's yeah. how it's solved, and we never had any problem. 
But buurtzorg, buurtzorg is an example. A lot of people will know uh, this Dutch, uh, let's say, uh, company, uh, uh, healthcare for elderly people, 15,000 people. Exactly the same answer, no problems at all. Because it's always solved decentralized. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it sounds like we, we touched on another value there, uh, honesty, honest conversations. That sounds like that's uh, important in Visi. Um, next question here from Melanie. Uh, what do you make? What do you do to make sure everyone within your organization has the same understanding of normal? Does it come natural for all your people? If not, what do you do to influence them? It comes naturally. That's what I uh, what I always say. So it's if you talk about family, just take an example. If Melanie, if you're if if you have a, a friend who who has let's say needs support, and she will call you, then you will help her. Uh, it's always like that. And also in the Corona, the COVID crisis, you saw in the beginning people putting uh, telephone numbers uh, on 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 doors and apartments, just saying if somebody needs help or shall I go to the grocery shop, just call me. So uh, so and and it didn't it, it was not dear Richard, you can call me. No. Everybody can call me. So this basic understanding of what's right and wrong. That's why I also took these examples of the of the of the apes even, Frans de Waal. Perhaps you should put it in the show notes. Um, there, there is this basic understanding, and 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 the problem is with a lot of people working in situations where you leave this road of what's normal. There, people get severe mental problems. Because they right. have they have to behave in a different way, and are disconnected from their values. And if people find this very interesting, then I would say they should listen to your podcast, Being Human, because there are so many examples of of coaches explaining how to help help these people. But the basic understanding yeah. of what's right and wrong. That's why I always say the golden rule is the basic rule in in every religion. It's the same everywhere. So you don't have to teach people that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, from Math Mathis. Uh, I love the principles. One thing that is often real hard is the salaries. How did you build up the salary house, um, decide on pay for certain functions and roles? Okay. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's a broader topic. If people are interested uh, in, in that, uh, there's a big article on the platform called Corporate Rebels about this, and it's called uh, Don't Punish for Intrinsic Motivation. So if people want to dive in, into this, or if people want to, uh, they can also uh, Google my name and then salaries, and you find podcasts. I think also one with you, uh, Richard. Um, we did a, uh, yeah, we did a yeah. particular episode where I, we really focused yeah, on I, I think we did one on, on, on salaries, I think three quarters of an hour. But to give, to give a very short, precise answer is that we work with external benchmarks, just general salary developments. So you start, let's say, with 25 with the university background, and then we, we have a curve for 40 years and just take data from the statistical uh, let's say organizations doesn't matter. You have them in in every country, and then we just take a curve, and then and then we say we 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 split it from performance. So there's no link to performance. So it, the the starting point is psychological safety, and somebody starts with a salary, 
and just get, gets automatically a salary increase every year. Uh, and it has nothing to do with the performance. The performance issue is solved horizontally, peer-to-peer, every day in the teams itself. And it works pretty well. And we pay every year more, and we guarantee this, and we pay for loyalty. So we pay and say, Richard, thank you very much uh, that again this year you're willing to come and bring your whole uh, your whole self to our company and, and, and spending much more time with our company than you're spending with your wife or children or friends because that's what's actually happening and which we find in a way very normal, but perhaps it's not. So, and that's what we want to reward. Just Which again to... is bringing back how we used, right? How we used to do things, right? You know, rewarding for loyalty was uh, part of how we uh, managed, right? Until relatively recently. So if you, and um, then, that's also, if you go back to the middle ages or if you go to, uh, let's say before uh, the industrialization of Taylor, where you said, okay, if you, if you, if you work more and they, here's the carrot, uh, and and then you get a little bit more. Uh, that's 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 also kind of interval or a certain period of time. And I I always say a, a short period of time. And then people say yeah. And I, and if I would say 100 years, then people say no, that's not very short. But it de- just depends on on how long your time frame is. So I would say if you just take civilization, it always has been uh, in a different way than 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 like we did at the moment, and especially since the 80s. With 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 much more, uh, let's say, bonus uh, bonus oriented culture, there's also done a lot of research on that. Eh? And I think in the podcast we did, we talk about Daniel Pink and we talk about the counter. Uh, 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 it's also counterintuitive, but it's counterproductive to pay bonuses. So it's 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 harming your your productivity as a team. So if people want to dive into that. Uh, just Google for um, for the podcast interview. Yeah, no, and that is an extraordinary finding from social science that uh, bonuses destroy productivity for for complex work, and yet they're prevalent in the, in our businesses. All right, well, thank you so much, Tom. I know we've got forty seconds left, so we probably don't really have time to dive into some of uh, these other fantastic questions. Um, probably just remains to say, thank you for your time. Um, yes. The Corporate Rebels website, there's some great articles by you. Check out uh, the podcast. Perhaps we could put some links out there. Where we've gone deeper into some of these topics. Tom, uh, thanks once again. Thank you, Richard. The Being Human podcast was brought to you by First Human. For more on First Human's human-focused coaching and leadership programs, head to firsthuman.com